Welcome to the Embracing Abundant Life podcast, where we encourage and empower the listener. During this season, we want to make a visible impact with our 2021 outreach initiative. Go to asparkministries.com forward slash outreach to find out how you can be a part and receive an Aspark Impact t-shirt. Now, join our host as she talks with this week's guest. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Embracing Abundant Life. I'm your host, Dr. Avis Sparks. And I am excited about what we're going to be talking on this episode. We're going to be talking about community, unity, and the church. I have with me Greg Whitfield. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Ms. Avis. I appreciate you having me on here, and I'm looking forward to a good conversation. Yes, uh, Greg Whitfield is a minister, uh, associate pastor, community leader, a radio talk show host. He has a list behind his name, and we're just privileged to have him um, to converse with today. Greg, is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience about just who you are and your passions? Um, yeah, well, my passion, of course, is ministry and uh, community. I really uh, am passionate about helping people just in any way possible. And uh, I, I figure that uh, definitely through ministry, that's the greatest way that you can help somebody or help you know people. And I want to add value to people's lives. That's really what I what I uh, set out to do and all that I do. And uh, every person I come in contact with, I contact with, I hope I just add value to their life, add value to their walk add value to their assignment, their purpose that uh, God has placed them on this earth to, to do. Because really, if uh, you live a purposeless life or you don't really know what your purpose is, you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know where you're going, then as the saying goes, any road will take you there. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of times people lose hope in life and they become stagnant and start regressing because they have nothing to shoot for. So uh, what I set out to do is to give them something to shoot for and to pull out the greatness that's in every person that God has put in us, um, because it's not until that greatness comes out that we'll be able to have something to live for mm -hmm. and you better yourself. Because I've seen a lot of people when they have nothing to go after, they begin, they, they begin to digress. And that's, that's a very discouraging thing, especially when you see uh, potential in others that they don't see in themselves. So that's really what I set out to do. Um, man, I, 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 I celebrate when I see others progress. And I know that uh, at least I had a hand in getting them to where they are. And whenever they get to their highest potential, you know, I, I can stand in the background and applaud because um, it's through their willingness, but also through their understanding of who they are, mm -hmm. because you can never press forward until you first realize or be real with where you are first in order for you to catapult where you, uh, where you need to go. So um, that's what I set out to do. I'm uh, the uh, pastor over here in Biloxi, Mississippi at Dominion and Power Family Life Center. Uh, we have services on Sunday at 3 p.m. at on Division Street in uh, Biloxi. And that's just what we, we set out to do. That's just change the community and impact the community and culture through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I'm excited about it. Something you said that made me think of the scripture. It says, my people mm -hmm. perish for the lack of knowledge. Come on. And one of the things that honestly just even with this podcast is one of my goals is just to give knowledge, you know, let people see who God created them to be. And so that they, like you said, they have something to go for, because if they don't know that, then they begin to perish. And that mm -hmm. other thought made me think about something that Tom, uh, Tom Rayner wrote in his book, an autopsy of a deceased church. 
um, mm. he was just talking mm. about how when a church stops reaching out and going, how it's mm -hmm. a symptom of death, you know, like death, mm. death is coming. And so what is your thought on that? When, Because it was a statement he made. He said, um, the Great Commission has become the great omission. And just mm. seeing that, you know, God had told the, the disciples that he empowered him, he told them to go. And so mm. how does that impact us as a church and how does us not going impact the community? Well, and uh, the scripture that you're referring to is uh, Luke 14 and 23, I believe it is, where he uh, Jesus commissioned um, his disciples to go into the highways and the hedges to compel men to come. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people stop right there, but it actually keeps going to say, so my house will be filled. Mm -hmm. So the Bible talks about in the book of Luke, how God adds to the church daily as such shall be saved. But at the same time, if we don't do our part in commissioning those to come, then the house of God would never be filled. Yeah. And if you look at a dying church, a dying church only dies because we fail to go out outside the walls or go out into the highways and the hedges to compel men to come. And a lot of people, a lot of people suffer from rejection mm -hmm. and they don't even know it. And that's the reason why we don't evangelize the way we should. That's the reason why we don't reach out the way we should. We only evangelize or reach out to ones that are like minded like us yeah. because we don't want that rejection. Oh, so okay. in order so in order for us to go out and be able to reach um, people who are lost or people who don't know the gospel or people who don't have a church home or even people who don't believe like like you believe, it takes a lot of courage to be able to do it. And it takes you to know who you are so that whenever you do receive that rejection, because you will be rejected from uh, you're not going to be accepted by everybody. Yeah. So there will be rejection to come. But just because rejection comes, it shouldn't discourage you. That's why the Bible says, be not weary in well doing, because mm -hmm. in our well doing, that's when we are able to really carry out the purpose that God wants us to carry out, because it's not going to always be, you know, a bed of roses. It's not going to always be easy. But once you learn how to overcome yourself and once you learn how to overcome rejection and once you learn how to overcome uh, uh, people's opinions, then you'll be able to really carry out the true commission and have a church to grow. Because if you don't go outside the walls, the house won't be filled. And that's evident to many of our dying churches today is. Um, they're not filled because we failed to go out yeah. and go ahead. But how do you, oh, cause, cause rejection is a pretty powerful emotion, right? That's that, that's no, something that's that feeling can really um, just stop you. So in your experience or just dealing with other people, how do you tackle that when you say, okay, I feel that God is calling me to do something. I want to make that impact. I want to bring value to people's lives. What is your, your take on just trying to get over that, that, that thought? I mean, it hasn't even happened yet, but just, we just know mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good. So how do we get beyond that? Or what have you done to get beyond that? What I've done to get beyond rejection, I honestly, it, it, it still hurts, mm -hmm. but just because it hurts, it doesn't mean it's not good for you because through pain, we learn how to grow. Okay. So if we can take, if we can learn how to channel pain, and make it work for our good. Sometimes I, I guess when it comes with to rejection, um, that that is a tough one because even me myself, I I, I kind of have to give myself some talking points or some coaching whenever yeah. it comes to somebody rejecting me because it's like, oh, well, who does he think she is? Who's he thinking? No, I'm the one that's right and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. um, dealing with rejection, you really have to be solid in what you believe. Number one, so that you don't lose faith, because if you encounter 
a lot of individuals who don't believe the way you believe, then it begins, it, it begins to make you question your own faith. Mm-hmm. You say like, well, why, are, why is it that, why is it that all of these people don't believe like me? They don't see things like me. And why are they pushing me away? And why are they turning me down? But if you can get to a point where number one, you could do like David and encourage yourself in the Lord mm-hmm. and also learn that um, Jesus himself was rejected. Yeah. So he, so he instructs us and he tells us if I was rejected, if the world rejected me, they're going to also reject you. So yeah. it's like, you also, you also have to take it as a source of truth. Yeah. And once you take it as a source of truth, then it, it's not like it's my fault because <laughs> God already told me that this is going to happen. So I should expect for it to come. But whenever you do, or you, whenever you are able to compel one of those to come, because first of all, the Bible says that no man can come into the father unless my spirit draw him first. Yes. So that's the truth that you have to stand on. And as long as you stand on that fundamental truth, then you know that it's not anything that I'm doing wrong. This just the truth of God. So I think that's how you can kind of overcome at least rejection on that aspect. Now, there are other forms of rejection that, uh, you know, we can have a whole <laughs> two hour conversation. Yes, about. Yes. <laughs> but but uh, just when it comes to commissioning people or it, it comes to a compelling men to come to the house of God, you just have to know that the truth of the matter is 90 percent may reject you but we have to concentrate on the 10 percent. and i I think that's that's this kind of answers your question here um that if you concentrate on the ones that you did reach or you concentrate on the ones that did accept you then you could put all your energy in that and it kind of supersedes all the ones who either said no or said you're crazy or said you're a zealous or say you're uh, a holy roller or call you whatever name in the book that they want to call you so just i guess to get over that rejection you you look at that one soul that did come and that one soul that did say, I thank you for inviting me. I thank you for bringing me to church. I thank you for bringing me to the house of God. I thank you for making me a better person. If you put all your energy into that one person, then everything else just kind of goes away. Doesn't matter anymore. And um, one of the things that as you were speaking made me think of just is perspective. You know, it's like, if I'm constantly, if I'm saying I'm going out and I'm trying to add value to people, it's Mm kind of hard to add that value if I'm so bent on looking at myself, you know, like, you know, (laughs) how are they going to view me or how am I going to be perceived and what, how am I going to feel after this interaction? But if we can get Mm -hmm. to that place where you say we're looking out and we're saying that 10%, I'm looking at them. This is why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for this 10%. I'm not doing it for my, you know, benefit. And that's uh, how I feel um, after the fact, but mm-hmm. I see the value in that 10%. This is the uh, angels see the value in that one soul that comes, you know, there you go. And, 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 um, and praises God for. And so I think perspective is you, as you're pointing out, may is key to just getting past rejection and just knowing that it's going to be there. Sometimes it's just, as you said, it's not me. You know, mm-hmm. it, the rejection is you. Re, they're rejecting Christ. You know, they're rejecting relationship mm-hmm. with Come them. On. It hurts him, but he's still gonna go out. He still he still wants to draw. He still wants to call him. and and mm-hmm. we, we just have to tough it out on some in some instances when when we're trying to do that. Yeah, and and, uh, and what's funny is Jesus said, "If they reject me, they will also reject you." Yeah. So all of this is truth, and as long as we stand on the fact that this is truth and not as I said, something that I'm doing wrong. Because a lot of times when we're rejected, the first thing that we say is, well, what did I do wrong? What did I say wrong? What did I, you know, so we look at ourselves and, you know, I always tell people all the time, whenever you get out of your own way, then you can allow God to really work through your life. Because a lot of us, we are still controlled by other people's opinions. And that's 
one of the reasons why a lot of us um, we're, we don't have the courage to go out into the uh, highways and the hedges to compel men to come is because we don't have enough courage to get out of our own way because we're afraid of being called a churchgoer or we're afraid to be, you know, we, we might say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Christ. Well, you know, Jesus said, you know, Hey, if, if you're ashamed of me in front of men, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my father. And uh, you'll be surprised. There are a lot of church people who are really ashamed of Christ when it comes to presenting him to, uh, to people who don't believe like we do. You see what I'm saying? Now, I can come to you and I know you're a believer in Christ. And I'll tell you, I'm a believer in Christ because I I know you're a believer. So you're not going to reject what I'm saying or look at me any, you know, any kind of way. But now let's let's go to a Hebrew Israelite. Let's go to a Buddhist. Let's go to a uh, um, uh, a, um, a Mormon or, you know, or, or like a Muslim or anybody like that. Then they will come and challenge your faith. And you have to be solid in your faith to to know what you believe in. And that's also a problem that I believe that's in our generation now is that we believe in Christ. We believe in God, but we really don't know what we really believe in. You know, we don't know the depth of it to the point that we can win a soul. We just know him enough just to have a relationship with him, but not really enough to really be able to you know win somebody for Christ. Yeah. And I think that's a, a, a very valid point is that what are we, what are we staking ourselves on? You know, is it just Mm -hmm. that a fanciful thought of what Christianity is or the truth is which Christ has spoke to us about that rejection, about people not wanting, you know, jumping on the bandwagon just because we said Jesus, (laughs) you know, they they (laughs) actually do the opposite because we say Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I think as, as you're bringing out, and I was reading another book that was talking about outreach, is that we try to dampen who Jesus is just so he's more palatable, palatable to people. You know, we 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 try to act like the gruesome stuff didn't happen, you know, like the cross and all the things he had to do for our salvation. But it's like when we yeah. downplay those things, we're downplaying the the beauty really of all that happened, uh, of what Christ mm-hmm. did while he was on this earth, you know. Yeah, yes, all, it was and gruesome. And also, a lot of bad things happened, but that we have to deal with the bad so that we can actually um, embrace and, and benefit from the good of, of life. Yeah. And um, a lot of times we just try to, you know, turn our eyes away from the ugliness, but the ugliness mm-hmm. is how you appreciate the beauty sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also we, when you do that, you negate the love that he had, Yeah, the, like the, the deepness of his love. Like who would, who would give their life for people who he knows is going to reject him anyway. Yeah. Like he, he, he died for the ones who put him on the cross. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he died for the ones that he was actually trying to um, add purpose and add value to their life, but they were the ones who said crucify him. So it, it just goes to show that if they reject the God that you serve, they're going to also reject you. And even in, in the community, when we go and outreach to the community, you know, I do a lot of community work and you'll be surprised that even in, doing good things, you have people who will criticize you mm-hmm. because people will say, well, um, he's not doing it the right way, or you should have done it like this, or you should have done it like that. Or why does he, you know, we, we did a march. Why, why is he having a march in Gulfport? It's not going to change nothing. He has too many white people involved, or he has, he doesn't have enough black people involved or, you know, it, it was, it's just, everybody has their opinions, mm. but nobody wants to step forward and actually do anything. Yeah. You know, so it's it's like, OK, I see 
nobody's stepping in the gap or standing in the gap to push an agenda forward to better society and to better our community. So anytime you're the one that steps out in front, oh, you get get ready for criticism, rejection, get ready for um, other people's opinions and everything. Because you know, they're just saying, I'm not sure who the, who the uh, author was, but they said, um, if you never want to be criticized, do nothing, say nothing and be nothing. And you'll never be criticized. You'll never be rejected. You'll never be talked about. Just do nothing, say nothing and be nothing. And you'll just exist through life without any uh, sort of rejection or criticism at all. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's the thing, right? If, if is we want to be impactful. And so we have to um, be of the mind that everybody's not going to cheer us on. And as a church, how do you think we can be impactful in the community? Like what are the, some of the things that we need to be looking at or making sure that we are um, portraying so that we're actually impacting communities, not just we're there. Oh yeah, I did my, you know, I passed out a couple of bags and I left, but actually impacting and changing community. Well, first uh, I think you have to have a willingness. Um, as a church, you have to first be willing to go out before, before you can, um, before you put strategy into place, before you uh, start to talk to people, before you organize any type of community event, before you go out to uh, witness to anybody or before you even go out to reach anybody or to help anybody, you have to first have a willingness to do so. And you'll be surprised how many people just don't have a willingness. They have become satisfied with just having church on Sunday. They've, they've become satisfied with uh, drawing a check from the ministry. They've become satisfied just with singing on the choir and doing the little church thing. And then once Sunday's over with, they just go about their business and, you know, you don't see them anymore. So uh, the first thing is, is the willingness. I think the second thing is you have to have a zeal or to be zealous. And a, a zeal is um, that's like the fuel to your willingness. Oh, okay. So, OK, if I'm willing to go, then your zeal is is kind of the gas. It, it keeps you going, because like we said before, Anytime you're on the forefront doing anything good in the community, there's a saying that, that says um, there's no good deed, deed that goes unpunished. <laughs> so anytime you go and do something good, you can write a book and people are going to criticize it. You can um, do a stop the gun, uh, stop, stop the uh, gun violence rally and people are going to criticize. It. They're going to have something to say about what you do. But your zeal, it it doesn't matter the chatter on the outside. Your zeal just fuels you to keep going. You know, when other people will say that I don't see what keeps you going, I don't see why you keep doing this. I don't see uh, how you are, how you have the strength to, um, uh, you know, do the things that, that you do in the community. It's the zeal. It's the zeal that God gives you. It just it never runs out. And I think the last thing is strategy. Mm -hmm. So once you're a willing person, once you have that zeal that gives you gas to be able to go, you also have to have strategy and strategy. Strategy really um, is a hard thing because it takes for you to get other people on your team. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the greatest way that the church can impact community is we have to do it together. And what I mean by that is you can't have one church do one event or one church reach out in, in this aspect, another church reach out in this aspect, then you have another church reach out on this aspect. Then now you have four different, let, let's say church bodies, all right. Even though we're, we're all one body, but, you know, you, you are a part of the body. Mm -hmm. So you, us as a church, we can be more impactful if we came together as one and did and, and kind of showed a, a sense of unity 
mm-hmm. on the on the on the forefront in the community, then you know whenever you do so, I'll give you a prime example. Like down here in Gulfport, we have uh, the Gaston Point community. Okay. There are probably I would say, and I'm just going off the top of my head that I know of, maybe five or six churches just in that community. Mm-hmm. Now, just imagine if those five churches in that one community all came together and did something and did something together, it would be bigger from the sense of the impact because of this us as human beings we are prone to go after crowds yeah so it's easier to win somebody over or to add value to somebody's life when they see that there are more people involved mm-hmm. that's it's just like if you if you do something um let's say you um i don't know want to have an outreach uh, a cookout for for the community just to bring everybody together well if it's just one little small church doing it with 20 people okay you're going to have the 20 people from that church um, they're going to probably each bring a person from the community. You have 40 people. That's all you have. But now add the three other churches in your community. Yeah, that just adds another um, 120 people. So if I'm in the community just walking around and I see there's 120 people over at the park down here in, in this community, then I'm going to go and see what's going on. I see all these cars and what, what's everybody doing over here? Mm-hmm. So it will it will compel people to come because they see the crowd and they say, well, there must be something important going on when really all you did was just got together with the people with, with the other churches in the community mm-hmm. to put those components in place, the strategy, having the zeal and having the willingness. And you can go out and reach more people because people are drawn to crowds. Yeah. So and I when, think those are the main components. And when you're talking about strategy, the word that came to my mind is unity. So how do you. How do we, when we get all these different parts, these all these mm-hmm. different bodies together, how do we um, facilitate or put a foundation for unity? You know, so like like you said, it's, it's about coming together. Mm-hmm. But how do we get to the place where it's not like this influx and an outflux of just people? We say, okay, we want we got this one event. You know, we came mm-hmm. together. Okay, I don't see you again, or I'll see you again next year around this time. How do we get to the mm-hmm. place where there's true unity? within the body as a whole, even when we do have different denominations and things like that, what is it, what would be the thing to say, okay, we'll bring a, a mindset of unity there. It takes for a fellowship of leadership, a fellowship with leadership, mm-hmm. because people follow leaders. Mm-hmm. And if they see certain leaders fellowshipping with other leaders or supporting one another. And that's another thing that we don't see. We don't really see a lot of leaders supporting leaders Hmm. because every leader kind of, you know, builds up their own little kingdom where they are and they never try to reach out to network or to, um, you know, to, to befriend anybody. The Bible says in order for you to have friends, you must first show yourself friendly. Yeah. So the best way to bring leaders or, or to bring unity is to have unity among leadership or to have fellowship among leadership. Mm -hmm. So if you come together as leaders or come together as a church in a certain community and you do one event, well, if the people never see the leaders fellowshipping after that, then yes, it is going to be a big influx and then a big exflux, if that's a word. Does everybody (laughs) go their separate ways? You know, but but that's all it's going to be. But it will, it does take the leaders to, I guess, put down their pride Mm -hmm. and sometimes be okay with taking a number two seat sometimes being because there there are times that if you have four leaders in a community one leader might have a good idea well the other three should support it Mm -hmm. well you know say you have leader a b c and d 
leader C may have a good idea. So A, B and D should support it. But then another time throughout the year, leader A might have a good idea and B, C and D needs to support a leader. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, somebody has to take the forefront or have to take has to take that leadership role among the leaders. But then it does take the others to support it. And when they do that, the the um, I guess the members or the disciples or the people who are of that church or of that community, they'll also support as well because they see that that leadership is doing the same thing. So that's what it takes in order for us to um, not just have a one and done every single year. Let me ask you another question. So, okay, just say God miraculous, you know, people's hearts are humbled. And we have this fellowship of leadership, you know, and we mm-hmm. have a service within the church. How do we as individuals or as a church body, how should we feel or how should we go out and then portray that in the community, that fellowship and that service to the community? How should we uh, show it to the community? That, yeah, like when we go, that, that going out part, like how do we show fellowship with community beyond the church you know we go outside these four walls so mm-hmm. okay now i'm i'm just i'm a person i want to go mm-hmm. and i want to fellowship with community what does that look like i want to serve community what does that look like for me or as a church well, what it looks like yeah what it looks like is meeting that need mm-hmm. whatever need is because every community is different every community has a different need mm-hmm. um our communities put a lot of um trust in politicians Mm-hmm. And they put a lot of energy into politicians because politicians actually, uh, at least they're supposed to try to meet the needs of the community. Mm-hmm. So instead of um, instead of people in the community going to churches to get the needs met, mm-hmm. they go to politicians because a lot of times the churches don't really seek out to meet the needs of the community. They just try to meet the needs of the church. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And how how it how it looks to be able to outreach into the community or what that looks like is meeting the needs of that community, whether it's, um, hey, we have a food shortage in our community. OK, we need to have some food drops here. Um, it may be that um, the roads in the community are terrible or this might be a community that floods a lot. Well, the church leaders should get together. Uh, either dig the ditches deeper, help or, or or bring it to the attention of the road department, bring it to the attention of the of board of supervisors or city council in the area and, and to try to remedy the problem. If people in the community know that if I if I go to this pastor or if I go to this church, I can get something done, then that's that's a form of outreach. Or if pastors get into the communities and say, hey, what needs to be done in your community? What needs to be done here in in uh, in Lynn Meadows? What needs to be done here in Rolling Meadows? What needs to be done here in North Gulfport? What do you want to see happen? And when you have a, a church body or a church leader go out into the community and ask that question to that person, and then month, a few months later, a few weeks later, that person sees progress or something actually change, then it gives them more confidence in the church and know that, hey, I have somewhere to go and they're listening to me. So if I have a problem, I'm going to go to the church. That's an outreach. And that's a way that you can also compel them to come. And I was you're uh, you're speaking of um, this, that participation, that actual action and interaction. Mm -hmm. And I was reading this article and it was talking about like the um, younger generation. They're looking for a church not to just be advocates, you know, saying, okay, I agree with this policy or I don't agree with this policy. I agree with this view. Let's not just be about advocacy, but actually activism where we actually go about and make political and social change. And so do you think that is that where 
we as a church body needs to lead where we're actually not just advocate. I mean, yeah, advocating, just saying, okay, this is what I believe, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with this person. I don't agree with that person, but actually say, okay, let's not just say what we believe, but actually bring about change in certain areas. Mm-hmm. I, I believe um, one of the greatest criticism that Jesus got whenever he walked the earth and it was mainly by religious individuals mm-hmm. was he was taking the gospel outside of the synagogues because at the time the gospel was only meant to be preached in the synagogue and people mm-hmm. had to come into the synagogues in order to hear it but jesus saw the word to be better fitted for the lost he even said that uh why why would a person and i'm just paraphrasing this but he said why would a person who's not sick need a physician Mm-hmm. The people who need physicians are the ones who are sick. Well, who are the ones who are sick? The ones who are outside the church, the ones who are out in the streets, the ones who are out in the communities. And by doing so, Jesus saw value in the word that he had to give um, to be able to add something good to the lives of the people in order to meet their need of where they are. As a matter of fact, he had 5,000 people who were following him out, out in, in the streets. And once he ministered the word of God to him, he took two fish and five loaves of bread and what did he do? He fed the multitudes. You know why? He was meeting the needs of the ones that who were who were there with him. So um, I believe that activism, you can look back into like the 1960s with Martin Luther King. Um, the, the churches led, they they led social change, they led social justice, they they led, and really I believe that it was just driven by just bettering the lives of people. Mm-hmm. just point blank and period, which is what we are here to do. Now you will have a lot of skeptics in the church say, well, we're living in the last days and um, there's no need to go into the uh, streets and try to better the communities. There's no need to get involved in politics. There's no need to run for city council. There's no need to vote. You'll be surprised mm-hmm. how many people say that there's no need to vote because the world is our, the, the Bible's going to, uh, the, the Bible's going to fulfill itself. And it's already prophesied the end of the world It's prophesied all of this uh, destruction, and everything like that. But that's just like saying, uh, for example, you're going to die. Yeah. So why take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, my, my, my hair, I'm going to lose my hair. Why comb it? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's 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 the same thing like saying that. Well, my teeth are going to fall out sooner or later anyway. So why brush it? Mm-hmm. The Bible talks about being good stewards over yeah. that which he has given you. He said, if you're faithful over few, I'll make you ruler over much. But we're not as a church. God's not making the church ruler over much because we're not even being faithful over the few. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So if we learn how to be faithful as a church body. Now, there there are certain uh, church organizations who who do a a very, very, very good job. I'm not I don't want to put them down in any way. But at the same time, if us as a church body got together and met the needs of the community, and allow the community to have trust in the church more than they have trust in their politicians. Because the Bible says that um, where your treasury is, your heart lies. Mm-hmm. You have you have politicians who can raise hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to run a campaign. Mm-hmm. But churches are struggling just to get two thousand dollars in the house. You know why? Because you, if you want to know where, what, what people believe in, follow what they invest their money, money in. in. Yeah. They invest their money in the politicians. They invest their money into political leaders more than they do preachers. And that's a problem. And it's not until we um, we're on the fr- on the forefront of social change that they'll say, hey, I need to invest more money in the movement that the church has, mm-hmm. because it's the movement that the church has that's going to impact our lives and better our futures for our, for our uh, children. Mm-hmm. 
do you have any parting words of encouragement just for the church body when it comes to just community and outreach or even unity uh, words of wisdom and just us trying to get beyond you know some of the past hangups and, and move forward because it's like okay that's the past okay that's you know mm -hmm. but how do we move forward how do we begin to make that impact and continue to add that value um to what's in front of us we have to become trailblazers um we have to go down roads less traveled. Mm -hmm. um we have to as the bible says to not be weary in well-doing mm -hmm. um we have to understand that trouble is going to come tribulation will, will always be here but there's a brighter side to the tribulation um we we have to we have to know what our need or what the needs of the community that we're in is and just really as we said before have a willingness to do so have a willingness to go out and to do that which is uncomfortable because doing the work of Christ, it is very uncomfortable. A lot of times it will push you to the, to the limit. It will push your limits, your limits of comfortability. Um, and um, so it just, just don't be afraid to be uncomfortable because I'll uh, encourage somebody in saying this, that um, good things or nothing grows in comfortable places. <laughs> Everything that grows always grows when it's uncomfortable. A seed has to grow in, in, in a dirty situation, in dirt and in darkness. So just because uh, something like a task may seem like it's too big for you doesn't mean that you can't conquer it. You know, David conquered Goliath, mm -hmm. but he conquered Goliath because he had an anointing on his life from God to be able to do so, to call him to be to, to his kingship. Mm -hmm. So all of us, we have kings and queens in us. And before you're able to become a, a king or a queen, you have to first overcome the giant. Mm -hmm. And many of for many of us, it's uh, overcoming that giant is overcoming um, people's opinions in our community and really going out and reaching into our community and not being afraid to be rejected, not being afraid to be ostracized, not be afraid to be criticized. Uh, like, as I said before, I, I had to learn how to brush off the criticism and just focus on the ones that it was helping. Yeah. And once I began to focus on ones that, that it was actually helping and I put all my energy in, into them, everything else just didn't even matter anymore because I saw that one that one's life that was changed. And it's like, man, everything else, I don't, I don't even care about it. Yeah. But I, I would just say everybody has a king and a queen in them. The Bible even says in first John four and four, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But the greater that's in us has to be birthed up out of us. Mm -hmm. And just like David, it was never birthed out of him until he first overcome, overcame his giant. So all of us are going to have obstacles that we have to overcome, but don't let the obstacle um, blur your vision from where you're going. The children of Israel had to go through through the through the uh, wilderness in order to get to the promised land. Well, in the wilderness, they had all kind of obstacles. If they would have been hung up on the obstacles and hung up on uh, the giants that were in the land, that oh, there's a bunch of giants in the land. We we can't conquer these giants. Well, if you take your eyes off the obstacle, then you'll see that the land has grapes that are huge. Mm -hmm. The land flows with milk and honey, just like God says. So if he promised that to us before, then these giants are nothing for us to conquer because the land is just like God said. Mm -hmm. But many of us can't get to the land because our mind is so focused on the obstacle. Yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? So a lot of us, we, we say, well, I'm not I don't I don't speak fluent enough or um, this task is too big for me to take on or I don't have the connections. I don't have the resources. I don't have this. I don't have that. Second Corinthians five and seven said we walk by faith <laughs> and not by sight. Yeah. 
So I don't I don't look at what I don't see what it looks like. I just know that I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll just say it like this. That, that means I have to work harder. Mm-hmm. Really, because even like whenever I um, I do the summer takeover every year, uh, we had our fourth annual summer takeover. Well, I want to go to the Coliseum. I want this to be in the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. And how is it going to happen? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. How am I going to raise enough money? I have no idea. I don't have the, the, the connection to be able to put on something of that magnitude. But all that means is I have to work harder. Mm-hmm. I have to be about my father's business. I have to be more diligent. I have to be more focused. Like mm-hmm. we have to put that on ourselves and say, if this is what God has called for me to do, then this is where my focus needs to be. A lot of us were not able to attain anything great because we lose focus. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we lose focus, we lose direction. And as soon as you lose direction, you'll go down the road of destruction. And once you go down the road of destruction, then you'll be nothing after that. Mm-hmm. So I'll encourage anybody and just tell them, um, stay focused and take your eye off the obstacle because the obstacle is going to move itself. All you got to do is just look past it and get to the promised land. Yeah. Thank you so very much for those wise (laughs) words. Um, Do you have like any information or how people can follow you on social media or anything? Just if Mm. so, any events you're putting on or any outreach that you're doing and they want to be a part of it in your the Gulf Coast area of Mississippi. um, You mind sharing that with us? Yeah, well, we uh, actually just had praise in the park last Saturday. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm probably a little bit darker than I normally am <laughs> because we were we were out there in the heat of the day from for about five hours. But uh, we just had that. Um, I put on a, um, a a community gospel or community outreach gospel event in Gulfport, Mississippi, called the uh, Summer Takeover. <clears throat> we have that on the uh, first weekend in uh, August uh, every year. So that's going to be coming up in 2022. We're also doing a tent revival uh, that's going to take place at the John Henry Beck Park in Biloxi. I don't have a date yet, but I know it's going to be sometime next month. Um, so we, we should we should come out with some dates pretty, pretty soon. But um, other than that, um, we normally just um, if if there's a need that pops up, then we'll pop up with something. So uh, everything is pretty sporadic. We um, I, I kind of work from a a sense of, um, you know, randomness, uh, it just all depends on what, what, what need needs to be met in the community and what we need to do. We just recently, as a matter of fact, back in July, I think it was July 16th, we had a stop the gun violence rally in uh, Gulfport. Um, so we, we, we've been working, but now the kids have, are starting to get back into school. And if there's a need that comes up and you know, that's, that's what we're here for. We're here to meet it. But other than that, uh, you can follow me on social media on, uh, just, put Greg Whitfield and I don't really have any like lined up social media, you know, icons or whatnot like that, but you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Greg Whitfield. Um, you can follow our, our church, uh, DP nation Biloxi It's on Facebook as well. And, um, or you can go to, uh, uh, the and you can follow our uh, summer takeover event that we have every year. Okay. Um, would you mind praying for us, uh, before yes. we close out? Yes, Father God, we thank you for this conversation, Lord, for this is the day that you have made and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. God, we thank you for life. We thank you for strength. We thank you for every listener, God, that uh, that has listened to this, God, and that is on this live as, as we speak. God, we ask for a, a zeal to be able to do your work. 
We ask for your will to be done in our life, no matter how we feel, God, give us, give us the energy, give us the, the, the vitality, give us the anointing to be able to go out and to have your work be done, not just in a church house, but also in the communities. God, we want to glorify your name. We want to lift you high. We want to magnify you and you alone, God. We take self out of the way. We put self out of the way. And God, we hide ourselves behind you and put you on the forefront where you belong, because we believe that if people see you, God, they see true love and they see true sacrifice and they see true focus. So, Father God, right now, we ask that you take over our lives and allow the greater that is within us come up out of us so that we can live in a miraculous way and to be able to impact the world like never before. These are the blessings we ask in Jesus name. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Well, we would like to thank you all for joining us for this episode of Embracing Abundant Life. We thank Greg Riffville for those encouraging and wise words. And Thanks we for pray that you're blessed. We pray that this episode of Embracing Abundant Life has blessed you. Tune in next week as we continue the Overcomer series. We are more than just conquerors. Because of Christ's love for us, we are children of God and allowed to live an abundant life. If you are enjoying the content, be sure to subscribe and share. For more inspirational content, visit asparkministries.com and sign up for the devotional and newsletters.